Well, you've uh, joined me on another great episode of Pain of Power. Um, before I wanted to start with our first guest today, uh, we just got done with the holidays, and it was uh, enlightening to me to really, uh, um, really digest and understand uh, mental health when it comes to the holidays. Uh, more specifically, uh, there was, uh, you know, there was an individual, um, very famous in kind of the dance world and entertainment world, that had. Uh, uh, taken his own life, and it was really alarming and interesting to me to learn, uh, learn and read about all the people that were completely surprised and shocked uh, how somebody like uh, like this uh, individual had 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 taken his own life because in in appearances uh, everything seemed to have looked uh, like everything in his life was all set right, but the outside world. Um, you can you can do anything you want and everything you want and strive for everything you want in the outside world, but if the inside of your of your heart and your head isn't isn't right and isn't doesn't learn and doesn't learn to understand how to really appreciate things, how to um, basically just how to deal with life adversities um, and not equipped, not prepared for um, for setbacks and whatnot, um, life can be really challenging and. Uh, I know for myself, somebody who deals with mental health issues, um, what we try to do is paint the picture to everybody else that everything is going right. Because it's important for us to really cover up wounds and hurts and, uh, and any anguish and any, any uh, depression that is going on and we really take a concerted effort to display um, happiness and joy. And so I guess really the point of this, this conversation is that uh, I think we continue need to need to have conversations. And um, it's not incumbent upon you to fix people, but I think it's really tr truly um, important uh, not to look at things at face value and that sometimes people are struggling and uh, even the people that can surprise you the most are the ones that struggle the most. So I wanted to really present that and, and share that that insight that from somebody that deals with mental health issues, understanding where, where, where and why someone can feel like that is the only option. So um, I hope uh, I hope this lesson can provide something uh, for you all and uh, can be can be a value. Uh, just don't don't ever forget, uh, you know how how impactful mental health is. Don't look and judge a book by its cover. Uh, don't be afraid to ask truly ask how things are going. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to have the right answers, but just showing that you care allows somebody to know that they're not alone. Okay, so. Um, that is all I wanted to share. We have a great uh, guest, so I'm gonna bring it on, uh, bring on the podcast, and let him start. All right, welcome to the Pain to Power podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jared Brewer. Um, as always, I'm so grateful that you have tuned in, listened to uh, to another amazing story. We've got some uh, some incredible incredible things to learn through uh, through our guest today. Uh, our guest is Ryan Gilbertson. Uh, Ryan Gilbertson is uh, an individual who who uh, lives in the Upper Midwest. Um, is a is a father. Is a husband. Is um, is actively involved in his church and um, and seemingly has uh, what you would just look at as a, as a normal life and may have looked and appeared to be normal and everything was happy and go lucky the, the duration of his life but as as his podcast is illustrated uh, this is a pain to power um, illustration and example and uh, Ryan has a, an amazing story to tell so without further ado I'm going to introduce him Ryan welcome to the podcast Thank you very much, Jared. I'm very happy and excited to be here and just excited to spend some time here with you and just share the story a little bit. So I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, good. Well, let's uh, let's get started. Um, you know, Ryan, like I do with all guests, I like to kind of start with the uh, the pain side of the story and, uh, and and allow you to kind of uh, bring us up to speed on what that looked like. And, and if you want to start from the beginning uh, kind of, of of your life and where you came from and uh, just walk us through um, kind of your your upbringing and uh, and. You know, we'll see where this goes. So why don't you just yeah. start from the beginning? Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. I'd be more than happy to. So, well, uh, I grew up in Vermilion, South Dakota, uh, you know, a small town in, in South Dakota. And it's only really about 10,000 people. You know, that's with a college community, mm-hmm. <laughs> mind you, is it, it's maybe about two, 3,000 without. So everyone pretty much knows each other. Uh, you know, a lot of people knew, uh, know, knew or knows, you know, my, my family has still got... My oldest brother lives there. My parents live down there. I got one other brother that lives in Phoenix currently. Yeah. But I, I honestly love growing up there. I'm, I'm such a small town guy at heart. Mm-hmm. Like where we live now here in Sioux Falls, you know, it's, this is about the biggest I can get. You know, I've, I've lived in like Denver for a while and that was just too huge for me. But Vermilion was, was great growing up. You know, I grew up on uh, country acreage lifestyle out there. And, you know, my dad's a farmer and he had some livestock when I was growing up, you know, he had pigs and hogs, but by the time that he actually got rid of them, I was too little still to even be helping out. But thanks to some, you know, home videos I used to watch, I actually wanted to be a helpful guy. I asked him out there, Hey, can I help? And he said, no, (laughs) but that's okay. I got to help out more later on. So thanks dad. Um, (laughs) Well, um, you know, keeping you safe, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I grew up on that lifestyle, and I just love it out there. It's nice and quiet, and you got a lot, a lot of land to roam around and play on. We always had dogs growing up, and, you know, I, I still have, you know, we've got a couple dogs today that we live with. And I guess uh, everything kind of started. So, yeah, so so kind of what you're illustrating to me, just, just as I'm hearing the story, just sounds like a, you know, kind of a nice, healthy family. You know, you got your... You know, you're living on a farm, and you know how ideal is that? Just having, having the land and having, um, you know, I'm sure just beautiful landscape uh, out there, and uh, mm-hmm. you and your brothers, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've got a, a mother and a father, so um, you know, sounds pretty ideal to me, right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I thought too. His perfect lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. everything's going good so far. I mean, there's there's nothing you know going wrong in my life, and uh, and that's the way that I kept on living through mm-hmm. you and know how, and how was school then with you was school pretty pretty average pretty normal too and school was i mean i wouldn't say it was abnormal by any means mm-hmm. you know it was, it was pretty typical from what i feel like you know i just was entered in at you know elementary went through my middle school and high school ages and mm-hmm. i didn't have I, I didn't have to you know move schools or anything because we never moved away we just stayed in one spot mm-hmm. you know when uh, in vermilion and never had that experience, you know, meeting new kids or anything, sure. you know, so I know obviously there's been people that have been through that, but, and, you know, if I can only imagine what that's like, we having to move back and forth, but yeah, like I said, I've only stayed in one spot growing up. Yeah. And so, you know, I had a lot of people that I met, you know, through school, you know, some moved away that were good friends uh, at that time, but for the most part, I made the majority of my friends at school too. And and you said so. You, you had two brothers. Where are you at in the in the mix? I'm the youngest. Okay. Of the mix. Yeah. How did that How did that go for you? <laughs> how did the relationships with your brothers work out? Well, I got the most benefits, so okay. <laughs> I can I, I can hold that above the heads. Okay. But um, obviously, I, I, I was the youngest too. You know, so I did, I did feel like a lot of the time, you know, being the youngest, you do have a little bit of the struggles. You know, just from the fact that, you know, some, some of the olders are going to maybe reap some more benefits potentially, but maybe that's not a true statement. I'm not, I'm not sure if my brothers would agree with me on that, but I guess just from my standpoint, maybe I was the one getting picked on more, you know, just cause mm-hmm. I was the youngest brother, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the way brothers are. I mean, sure. you're, you're going to grow up and you're going to battle and you're going to fight and you're going to annoy the crap out of your parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and mm-hmm. Our parents definitely did show us that we annoyed them, so we we definitely did our job. Sure, good, yep, good for you, good absolutely. For you. <laughs> yep, so no, it was it was fun. I, I love growing up there with them. We we did we we played you know baseball a lot, and 
um, on, on our on our uh, acreage that we lived on at the time. You know, we always if we had friends over, we played baseball in the yard and basketball or you know whatever we could. It was it, it was good times growing mm, up. Sure, sure. And um, you know, school was 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 the same way growing up within Vermilion. Just 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 getting just getting the friends that I was able to acquire and just hanging out with them, you know, either going, you know, fishing or going to a river or whatever couple things you had to do in Vermilion, you know, it's not a large town. There's just not, there's not many things, but. Well, yeah, that's the thing about Vermilion. If when you, uh, cause we both grew up in the same town, you, uh, you're, you're graduating, uh, high school with the same kids that you've been going to school with since kindergarten, uh, in, in bigger cities that aren't used to that, the you, kids end up splitting off into different schools generally and uh class sizes are so enormous that you might see somebody and then never see them again because uh you know classes are so big and um and the the class sizes i mean this the size of the whole classes is is just enormous and in vermilion Mm -hmm. you just if if nobody moved away uh you you just know that you've known the kids for 10 years it's the same kids uh, you know, hundred, uh, you know, about a class size is between usually ninety and one hundred and twenty kids. So yeah, you know everybody, and mm-hmm. uh, you get to know them, and you're you're playing sports with them, you're going to classes with them for from f- ages five to to eighteen. So you really you really form a quite an intimate uh, relationship with with these people. You're either your friends or acquaintances or bullies or whatnot. You just know everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you hit it spot on there. That's exactly how it was growing up. And I, I did play all sports growing up, too. You know, um, you just short of, well, I guess I don't know which ones I didn't play because I did play a lot of them, you know, maybe short of golf, let's say. Because, <laughs> you know, I did basketball, baseball, football. And, you know, I did I did, I did give up on basketball, you know, soft, after sophomore year and went into bowling of all sports, which was actually was kind of fun. So, but, mm. you know, like, like I said, it, it was still with the same group of people that I've seen yeah. school day in and day out. Sure. You know, yeah. not, not many new faces at all that came in. Obviously you get the occasional kid moving in here and there, but a lot, a lot of the same faces. So you got to develop those relationships, keep in touch with them over time. Sure. And it was, it was, it was lots of fun growing up. Um, the time I would say when things took a change and a little spin though, hmm. was going into probably mid-year through high school. Okay. Um, you know, so because th- things are changing, you're, you're meeting new people. Your identity is changing. Your identity is changing a little bit. Yeah, and you're just kind of recreating this new person as you keep getting older and, you know, meeting others. And um, I had been exposed the first thing to, you know, alcohol uh, from... If I had to go back and remember... There, there were some parties thrown at our parents' house you know, before I was in high school. So it was when my brothers were in high school. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mom and Dad, if you didn't figure that out, but here, here you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, I was, I was exposed to that. And I'm going to say a really bad decision that I made was when I was cleaning up the next day or helping my brother clean up, and I was, I was tossing a beer can out, you know, wherever he had to throw, and there was a little bit left over. I'm like, mm, I wonder what this was taste like. Mm. And guess what? I took a sip out of that. Okay. <laughs> so it, day-old beer you took a yeah. sip out when you were in middle school. And used I'm and sure. drank yeah, beer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and course, how, do you remember that? Like, do you remember the, the, the taste I, of it? I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. I actually remember it vividly. Yeah, yeah it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it it tasted like it was just something watered down and something that was just stale. And it was ice house. I remember too. It was just terrible. Yikes. But and that's but but I wondered that myself. I was just like, what what does this taste like? You know, I, I had this thought to myself on if it's going to be good or not. So I figured, why not take a sip? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, it turned out to be a bad idea for me then. But then again, I was. The middle schooler too, and yeah. I also didn't know what was going on. But like I said, that was my exposure, and so I kind of feel like that stayed through my head, you know, throughout the years. And when it came time, you know, to high school, about midway through, you meet some people that start wanting to have parties themselves, and mm-hmm. you know, they want to start getting alcohol and just want to have a good time and stuff. And that began to take play. So. It didn't come long before I went to, you know, my first party and 
I I couldn't tell you where that was. It's been so many, mm-hmm. and I, I don't really remember where the first one is. So, but I just remember it was in someone. I think it was in someone's basement. But we had bought. Guess what beer I, we did? Yeah, Ice, Ice House. Ice House, yeah. <laughs> Ice House was uh, the the cheapest. It was you could get the most quantity because you could get a thirty pack. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ice House was like a little bit more. Oct- alcohol per volume than a regular beer yep so you felt like you were getting more out of it so yep that's just what i was gonna get at too mm-hmm. we we got it because it's five five beer and five five <laughs> yes yep that's why we wanted to be yeah, again it was it was cheap too and you know we just had to find a buyer but we were in small town yeah. vermilion south dakota not, not too hard not too hard to find buyers at all especially when you know everybody you know mm-hmm. and with having two older brothers you know, there a lot of their friends, you know, knew who I was. Some were open to getting to getting us drinks that way, but you know, I had other friends that would, you know, easily get drinks whenever they wanted to and it, it was it, it just seemed like it was an unstoppable cycle of being able to get the alcohol. So I mean like when, when are you ever gonna stop it? Mm-hmm. You know, because it just keeps on coming in. Sure. But you know, I, I didn't care. I I thought I was having fun. You know, by the time I was going to these parties and I was hanging out with the older kids and high in, in high school, you know, I'm I'm a maybe a sophomore hanging out with seniors or juniors. And I, I feel that rush. Mm-hmm. I feel that just indescribable you're, feeling of I'm, I'm on top of like the world yeah, right now. And yeah, you're, you're being accepted yeah. by, 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 uh, by the upperclassmen. You know, mm-hmm. You're starting to belong mm-hmm. to a group that you, uh, uh, you know, for me, I, you, you idolize the juniors and seniors when you're, when you're underclassmen. And, and if you're, if you become accepted by them, then, you just you feel like you, you know, you kind of end up having you kind of do doing the things that that they would do so that you can look like you're fitting in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's what I thrived on. Like sure. I, I loved the feeling of acceptance and knowing, hey, I'm getting contacted by these upperclassmen to go to a party with them. All right, mm-hmm. that, that that let's do it. Let's find out anyway. Let's make up any story for my parents so I can go and go party with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's. That's the way it went, you know, throughout those, you know, final few years of high school. But do you remember me- the feeling though that, um, that f- the the first time you, um, the first time you got intoxicated, the first time you, uh, the first time you had a beer, and then kind of started f- feeling the I, I wouldn't say intoxicated, but feeling the effects of alcohol. Do you remember what that feeling was like? <clears throat> I bet you I could. Um, I. If I had to describe it, I mean, I, I can kind of go back to this in my head, just having that feeling of first when you start drinking a few drinks and then, you know, your head starts kind of bobbing and weaving a little bit and you're like, what's going on? And, you know, one, one of your friends says, oh, you're starting to get drunk or you're getting buzzed or something. And But it also felt good at the same time because you were kind of on this state of high, higher energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of moving around a little bit, too. And you just start talking a little a little bit more and not really thinking about what you're talking about you're just speaking because you're energized mm-hmm. and until the point when I did finally get you know drunk and intoxicated where I wouldn't say that I you know officially blacked out the first time that I drank I don't believe I did but I, I could be wrong against that too I've, I've gotten drunk a lot over the years so well, but oh I I remember for me growing in in high school is when uh, I can I can vividly remember the the point uh, the the first time that I was invited by somebody that typically didn't invite me to parties, and then being a part of this group, and then uh, I wanted to drink alcohol because I I wanted to do what they were doing. I didn't want to look different. And then the moment I started drinking alcohol, I had this immediate sense of wow, we're all together now. I'm not under them. Mm-hmm. They're not over me. We're, I'm, I'm a part of this group. And uh, I, I had grown up um, kind of feeling like I didn't belong for many years in high school and middle school and grade school. And, and of course, you're, you're growing up with these people and you're feeling less than all the time. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I remember I felt like I was one of them. And that, that feeling of... of uh, all the all the kind of worries and fears about being around these people, um, and feeling like I was on top of the world, feeling like 
uh, feeling like I could just say anything and they wouldn't judge me anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was, I could just pal around and I just, I, I became one of them. And that was an amazing feeling when I drank because, uh, because the fears washed away and, and I could, I could sense they were doing the same thing. So we were all just all on one level and that felt amazing. And I wanted nothing more than to fit in like that. And that's what alcohol did for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same exact thing. Just drawing you into the, into more crowds and more people and just getting that acceptance, you know, can, you know, we'll, we'll come to learn, you know, years later, that's, that's a lie that's created. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, at the time you don't think about that. You just, you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what kid, you know, growing up doesn't want to fit in the crowd that they see every single day. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly how it was. Yeah. It's a powerful drug. It is. Um, it like, is for, for sure. For the vulnerable group like that we are in. Right. So absolutely. Um, okay. So you're, so you're, you're in, in high school, you're getting, Invited to more parties, so I would imagine your the ice house partaking is is increasing, and you're 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 <laughs> getting involved more in that. So, yeah, how how you know is it does it turn into a spiral or does it just kind of keep going? What what does that look well, like? Well, I mean, I'll I'll say as far as the beer drinking, when you know we we, we felt like we graduated going from ice house to Keystone and <laughs> Bud Light after that. So fancy, the fancy the, beer, the huh? fancy okay. stuff. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kind of kind of going from there. I mean, um, it, and it wasn't all just like parties and everything too. You know, going through high school, of course, like I said, I still did the sports growing up, and, and I was still excelling in school you know i wasn't doing bad by any means and so that also added to basically this you know this dream growing up that i was trying to live and the fact that you know i'm still going to parties getting drunk i'm still doing good in school i'm doing good with friends and it's it's all adding together and that just kind of went through yeah the remaining years of high school until graduation comes uh, comes to point and start deciding, you know, where I want to go. You know, I've looked at other colleges, but I stayed, you know, right in town uh, at uh, University of South Dakota. And it was, I mean, it, it was easy to live there. It was nice and convenient. Didn't have to move anywhere. Didn't have to, you know, maybe worry about meeting too many new people. I mean, obviously some of our friends from college were or from high school were going to other colleges, but some were also going to USDs that I know we're, we're going to USD and we're going to stay in contact and everything. So there's another point of comfort for me is to have those same people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, also helped that our, our, our mom told us all growing up, if we went to college, at least went to college and, uh, you know, she'll pay our phone bills. And if oh. we stay in Vermilion, well, Hey, we're going to get some free laundry and some meals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those perks definitely played a part. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, freshman year of college, you know, comes up and uh, I, I have to live in the dorms, you know, for then they say at least two years. And, you know, the first year um, had, had this had this roommate that I met turned out to be, uh, you know, another friend that I had made and it just and, and just grew in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, but it was all centered again around what parties can we find? Because mm-hmm. now we're. Now we're in college here, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that coined the USD, you know, to be just the University of Sex and Drugs, you know, and not, not of South Dakota. And, yeah. and well, that, it, it's, uh, it's your standard college, standard college town where there isn't much to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like two different towns when you grow up there and then you go to school there. You grow up there, um, yeah, you start drinking, I guess, in high school, and you're you're hanging around uh you're going to corn uh, you're going to fields and and, and having parties there mm-hmm. in people's basements but the moment you enter college you realize uh you realize that it is a college town and and uh with 10,000 people there isn't there isn't much to do and uh it it there was a lot of you know USD it was just parties yep. were, it was a fraternity town as well so mm-hmm. fraternities uh had parties uh the sports teams had parties there every there were houses all over town, and they they were labeled something the the swimmer house or the football house or the or obviously the fraternity house or the you know just or somebody would make up a name for their house and and there was just a so there was a plethora of things to do but they were all alcohol related so yeah it kind of was you know it was the thing that you were doing because a lot of other people were were doing it right and and you know for you you know you had 
you know, you had gone through high school like everybody else. Just it, everything seeming to be kind of your kind of a a standard uh, way of like kind of navigating uh, your high school years and your early college years, right? Just doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, pretty much. And it's it's funny you mentioned the names and houses there too, because uh, so my my cousin owns a uh, you know properties in Vermilion and. We had lived in one of them, and next to the place that we lived, he he has a house that is called the mansion. Mm. And there's mm. been just several several college kids that have gone through there, and there's several stories to go through that you know he could endlessly tell. But it's it's still standing as far as I know. Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, there's lots of parties that took place yeah. there and at our house, and you know everything is just kind of going the same path. You know, go through whatever classes at school. Get to the weekend, go find a party, go drink somewhere and release, let go. Mm-hmm. Because school, you know, is just, it's it, it's just so taxing on you. I mean, or so maybe you want to create for yourself or it's just us saying, yeah, school sucks. So we want to drink because that's all there is to do. <laughs> and that went on for a couple of years, you know, until the time came when I got to be the, the big 2-1, you mm-hmm. know. So at, you know, age 20, you wait till midnight your pregame is exactly what we did first and we waited to go down to the bars so you get you get to age 21 you get to be legal to drink and no longer have to you know try to avoid everything and using fake ids or whatever else you're doing. yeah exactly which you know to, to kind of preface this too you know before i turned 21 um I, I did get caught you know once for drinking so i got one minor and what was that like what would what were you doing? How did you how did you uh, get that? <laughs> well, one of the stories that we thought was really fun to do, but it was, it was just a stupid idea. A friend of mine said we want to go and steal some bikes around campus. So we, and, you know, we were, that's not that hard to find. No, there's hundreds of bikes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, so. there's so many bikes <laughs> around campus, and we're just sitting there thinking there's got to be a lot that are unchained, you mm-hmm. know, unlocked and. Mm-hmm. We didn't live far from camp from campus. You know, we were just a block south of it. And, and not that, you know, again, every million is not huge. So when you get on campus, it's all within like a big square block. You don't have to cross any streets like other schools you do. So you're all right there. And when we were going to do this, we said, let's go steal some bikes because it'll be fun. And it's awesome. <laughs> so we went around and we, you know, eventually saw, you know, found a couple bikes. And we brought those successfully back to our house. Nothing happened. Nobody, nobody caught us nothing we we got we, we got a couple of freebies and we got such a rush from it that we're like let's go do it again that same night same night okay yep i couldn't tell you what time the this in, was it was infamous late last words <laughs> i know let's do it again let's, do it again. let's try that again <laughs> yep well of course I mean, we're, we're unstoppable right let's yeah, just go sure. do it <laughs> no, nothing could happen that's right nothing no we uh we decided to go do it one more time and we were right by one of the dorm complexes uh it was the north complex at that um that we were by and we see a cop on the opposite side of us we're on like the west end of the complex and on the east end we see a cop driving by and so we're just like oh crap you know let's try to maybe ditch it and let's go run somewhere and we didn't make it very far (laughs) so you did run we did run we went to go hide inside this like big evergreen tree, mm-hmm. not the best tree yeah. to go into either, mind you, <laughs> considering that you're just going to get hurt and pricked everywhere. <laughs> but uh, so, so help us kind of picture this. What time around what time of the night is this or morning? I would. Yeah. Well, morning is a good thing to say. I think it was maybe two to three o'clock in the morning. So if two I remember. or three in the morning, a cop sees a couple, a few kids, a few college kids mm-hmm. riding bikes in the dark mm-hmm. uh and then dropping them or did like for i guess it doesn't matter if he saw that or not but i'm sure he was, probably wasn't thinking that it was just a normal night for these guys just taking a nice stroll yep. on some bikes at, at two in the morning i'm sure they the moment that they saw that they moment the moment they realized something was up oh yeah he knew what was going on for sure and so much to the point that he called for when I think it was one, maybe two cars of backup. Cause mm. when we were hiding in that tree, we saw like, yeah, I think it was two more cop cars pull up. And so 
friend just looks at me and he's like, should we just get out? And should we just turn ourselves in and just say, screw it? And said, okay, yeah, fine, let's just do it. So we gave up and, you know, obviously we got sighted that night and it was issued. You got a minor. Issued my minor. Okay. Yep. Do you remember how old you were? Were you 19, 20? Ooh, that was, it was really close turning 21. I think I was 20. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was really close to getting of legal age. So and your your first alcohol-related re- infraction. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one came up right before 21. And I remember, you know, the, the feeling of it was, it was terrible. You get a really short instance of, okay, now I'm caught. Now I have to go through this infraction and what's going to happen now and... You know, you're just wondering all the bad things that's going to go about, which, you know, being in South Dakota, you know, as far as when when I hear stories from other people, it sounds like anywhere else is just a lot worse. But all I had to do was, you know, I had like a $500 fine and lost my license for 30 days. And that was it. You know, you had a close relationship with your family, though. So, yeah, um, I imagine I imagine they wouldn't not find out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they 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 found out, but I, I will say my smart decision was for me to tell them and not for them to find okay, out in the so paper. You just told them, okay? Yeah. So I'd, so I'd imagine having a close relationship with your family that uh, that call didn't wasn't wasn't very comfortable for you. Oh no, it was it was tough to say. You know, I, I had to work up my work up my power just to say, hey, I got I got a minor, and at the point, you know, I knew obviously growing up and getting in trouble. And how my parents dealt with me as far as discipline goes and who I'm more scared of, dad. <laughs> so, and, you know, obviously I wasn't, I didn't want to be ready to take the, the disappointment of mom, but just knowing what, oh, what's dad going to do and what's he going to yell at me about? And that scared me, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's also was um, something good for him, you know, disciplining me because, you know, that also stuck with me with the, with how he disciplined that, that I, I just think I turned out better for all the ways. So yes, thank you dad for that. But, you know, I also, also remembered that feeling and it, it, it was terrible, but you know, it, it was, she was short lived. It was, it, it's, it, it's a slap on the wrist to get a minor in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And so, so you got your, you got your underage and then mm-hmm. that was, that was, uh, no more alcohol related uh, issues, I'm sure then. Because <laughs> you got in trouble, and right. you know, as human beings, we have we make one mistake, and then we just uh, we learn from it, move on. But that's not how humans are. Right? <laughs> no, nope, um, not quite. There, there's definitely more to come. Sure. Um, yeah, it was it was it was short lived, but yeah. yeah. And I, and I know of a lot, a lot of people that have had a minor too, and you know, I th- I think it, it, you know, the unfortunate thing about it is that it it's kind of like a right. It it feels like some for some people it's like a rite of passage. Like you didn't live, you didn't live enough unless you got a minor. Mm-hmm. And um, as we grow up, it, it just the uncomfortability of that is uh, is more, grows as you mature. You know, thinking how dumb that is mm-hmm. because you don't have to. That's not how life has to be. It's not right. like living life doesn't mean that you stretch the boundaries of drinking alcohol illegally. And, um, you, you, it's like having a tattoo. It's, it's not, it's really not a, a rite of passage. It's, it's a mis- it's, it's a mistake. It's something that we, it's a choice we make that is, that has its consequences, but, um, it's not a rite of passage. And I, and I, it would be, it would be nice to have the maturity level that we have now back, you know, to have that at that, at, the, at those moments to say, you know, it's not cool. Right. Yeah, it's and that's such a good point. I mean, I, I do look back on it. I mean, because as of right now, you know, I know that living life means living through God. He'll give you life through the full, and that's how I believe it right now. But back then, no, I mean, I, I thought I was living the life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if I got this underage, then yeah, now I got a story to tell friends, and now I'm going to have more to talk about, mm-hmm. you know? And so that just adds to your comfort level, I guess, so to speak. Yep. So... But yeah, kind of fast forward from there, you know, like I mentioned, uh, 21 came about, I now enter the bar scene, and I started going to, there's there's one bar there, it's called the Charcoal Lounge, and Mm -hmm. uh, they had, and every single Wednesday was their drown night, and I I think it just so happened to be the night I I turned 21 was a Wednesday night, so, you know, I went down there at midnight, and to get in there, 
Um, at the time, you only had to pay $10, and it was all you could drink for the night for beers and well drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, shots mm-hmm. and stuff were extra. And so you you just sit there and you get like a rum and coke all night or what you know whatever whatever is your you know pick your poison that, that you want to do but just pay 10 bucks and that's all you got to do mm-hmm. and we did that for the weeks of that uh the absurdity of of that uh that concept and i mm-hmm. I, I would hope they don't have anything like that anymore because it's just a ridiculous excuse to just just get sloshed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah exactly and obviously if it's cheap it's going to attract a lot of people. Yeah, sure. And that's why it attracted us. You know, we went down there week by week by week. I mean, in, in the summer, there probably wasn't one week that we didn't go to the chart, what we call the char bar. You know, we, we didn't go down there just because it was drought night. And, you know, the other nights had other deals because bar, bars always have deals going on in places, you know. So we, we found out which ones to go. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of continued. That was a weekend ritual, if you will. I mean... At least through the first, you know, years of college and the last remaining years, then that's where I start realizing, hey, I'm about to graduate. I better start buckling down a little bit, you know. So instead of going down every, going out every weekend, maybe every other weekend, or maybe you know, at, maybe let's try to get it to once a month and try to go out on the weekend or something like that. Um, but you know, it's that that's how it's how life went on. I was able to, you know, still graduate and you know get done with school, and and I was I thought I was still going through everything all right, you know, because I'm because I'm happy because I'm graduated. I'm completely done with classes. Don't have to wake up and do tests and do homework and oh my goodness, all the stuff I have to go through just to graduate and then that stuff really really weighs on you. I guess when you get to your final years. But again, that's all more reason to turn alcohol again, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what it was. You know, once you get to your couple, last couple of years or even your last year of college and you start getting more stressed, and how do you relieve stress? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the number one ways is to go drink it off. Yep, and now it's legal, so there's no worries about it. Exactly. Yeah, you just you just went on about it, and that's how you lived. You know, so... But, um... So I guess kind of moving on, you know, after that, I did decide that I finally wanted to move. I didn't want to stay... Uh, in Vermilion, you know, I, I had my college job, which was working at Walmart at the time, and I was working back there in the deli. And you know, there's it was it was really fun. I'll say when I was working there at the start, but a lot of people left, and so it was pretty much just me and other people that weren't unfortunately as competent. There's still a couple a couple people there, so I had to pick up a lot of the slack. And but I, I knew I wanted to leave. And one of my friends that was up here in Sioux Falls, you know, turned me on to working for uh, Wells Fargo for a phone sales job and yeah. you know so i interviewed with them and they ended up giving getting me an offer you know walmart tried to keep me to stay and said hey we'll make you a manager here and I said well then i'm sorry i just don't want to do that and i'm ready to start something new you know and so it came time to move and, and so where'd you move i moved up here to sioux falls south dakota okay and shortly after that so that was 2012 okay. uh when i moved up here and you know i've been living here ever since but i've gone through you know, a few more jobs since then. Wells Fargo was my longest, you know, stint. I was there for, you know, five years. And during that time, another big turn had happened. So I think okay. it might have been, maybe that was around year four of the job. But then, okay, So how old were you then? Like 26? Let's see. 25, so, 26 maybe? Yeah. And 20, so I'd have been, let's see, 24 when I graduated there. So I was probably, yeah, about 26 years old. Okay. Um, it was, you know, somewhere around that time. Um, it came time again where obviously <laughs> I, I feel like all my stories are, are, are just like drinking related, but that, that was a big part of my life. Well, you're um, 24, I mean, looking back and if you haven't stopped 20, you're still young, you're still, you know, you're just a couple of years out of college, so you yep. don't have life figured out. And you're, yeah, exactly. You're still hanging around with the same people that you did in college and what are you going to do that's yeah i i remember doing the same thing up in the uh in the twin cities when i moved out it's like you, you don't have kids you don't have uh mm-hmm. you know families so you're just going out and drinking on the weekends yeah i, I knew that from vermilion i brought it all the way to sioux falls mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing mm-hmm. really changed i mean sure i play the occasional maybe disc golf here and there mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's really the only different thing so uh we frequented this bar in Sioux Falls. It's called uh, Billy Frogs. 
and it's just a place that you know it's just got re- regular bar deals but they have karaoke every single night and we were big fans of that you know we we sang every time there was karaoke and and I think they just had like a two first deal you could do and on on just beers or something or whatever it was I don't quite remember but you know obviously we frequented that bar and there was one night where you know I got I got drunk I didn't get I wasn't blacked out or anything I still remember the whole course of the night I mean I'm gonna definitely remember you know this night um, because this was actually coming up and leading up to my DUI course of action. Mm. So, um, but I, I guess I probably should preface it, you know, cause this, this was actually number two that I'm talking about. My first one was actually back in Vermilion. Mm. Yeah. Um, that okay. was, that was after I had turned 21. So if I can make this, you know, long story a little bit short, that one I had returned from a drown night and I was hungry. You know, there, there, there's a McDonald's right up the road from where I live, and I've I've driven there before. You know, being under the influence, and I've gotten back, so I think I can do it again. <laughs> just like we said, those famous last words, mm-hmm. I can do it again. And I just decided to go. Yeah, you know, I went and got double quarter pounder and a chicken sandwich, and I'm ready to eat this stuff. And I'm sitting in my car, you know, driving away from the drive-through, and I get to the driveway, pull out, and right after I go past a stoplight. There's the cherries. Hmm. And instantly I just say, oh, no. Because mm-hmm. you knew. I you, knew. You knew that it was, this wasn't going to end well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't. and Or, I mean, yeah, I, I knew that wasn't going to end well. And, um, but, but, but I was confused as to why he pulled me over. Because the cop had, you know, gotten out and said, you know, why I pulled you over? I said, no, absolutely not. And he says, well, you didn't stop pulling out of that driveway. Hmm. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? There's no there's no stop sign there. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if you're pulling out of a privately owned driveway into a public street, you do have to stop. And I just said to him, you know how many people don't stop there mm-hmm. during the day? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was probably pretty, pretty yeah. smart alecky there. Right. So that wasn't, that wasn't signing up for any positive <laughs> outcome, was it? <laughs> probably and not. Probably smart not. Smart ass and the, you know, to the cop was not, <laughs> uh, not ideal. <laughs> no, I probably could have thought better on that one. But, um, yeah, he said, you know, I don't care. I got you now. And, you know, that's what, what it was. I, I just ended up getting, you know, thrown in jail for a couple hours. Friend so, kept... he could, so just going back to that, he put you through the, the whole thing, kind of what he, he said. I can, are, have you been drinking tonight? And, mm-hmm. and do you, what, do you remember what you said? Oh, sure. Um, I remember, yeah, I, I said, yes, I've been drinking tonight. I probably said the typical, of, well, I had a few, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he did all his testing. He did the PBT. I want to say I was at 0.18, I think okay. is what it was. Okay. It was the PBT. I, I remember my BAC was a little bit lower, but I think that's what the PBT was. Okay. Um, but yeah, I had to spend, you know, a few hours in jail before I got, you know, bailed out by, you know, a friend of mine that just came and took me home and, my car ended up getting towed, so, you know, I had to pay for that to get out. And I guess the cop, may, maybe he was taking his, his revenge on me, you know, with that, you know, smart aleck comment that I made because, like I mentioned, I ordered food. And when I went to go pick up my car, it was also still warm time in the year. Mm-hmm. The McDonald's was still in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just oh, it just reeked of old fast food for, yeah. like, days. And... <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh, what a jerk. But <laughs> I guess I was a jerk to him, too. So <laughs> uh, it was bad. But, you know, Ven- I, vengeance. Yeah, ex- exactly. Of the fast food kind. <laughs> um, so just a, just a subtle reminder of the mistake you had just made. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I lost my license for, ooh, um, I think I only lost it for a month. Yeah, then I had to be on a work permit for that time. And you know, I had to pay a fine then too. So, I mean, it, it's again, like another slap on the wrist. You know, I, I took one alcohol evaluation, you know, they decided that no, it's, and you know, you're, you're, you're trying to graduate college and I get it. You had, you had a friend over, which, which we did. There was a friend that came in uh, that was, you know, out of the air force and we were helping him, you know, celebrate just being back. And so that's part of the reason, you know, why we went out and, you know, so they said, okay, fine. I, I don't rec- recommend you take classes or anything, you know, just, get through your time okay and but you uh, 
you you probably ended up having to call mom again and let her know, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did that. If, yeah. Each one of these times, I did make the call. Each one's harder and harder. And again, I go back to the thoughts of now mom's going to be disappointed. Now dad's going to hate me and just yell at me. And I have to go through that through my head, you know, and just work myself up to call him. Because, you know, they, they had told me before, you know, I know you're going to drink. You're probably or you're probably going to if you need a ride. You can call us, and but, but like you know, what kids gonna want to call their parents and say, "Hey, I'm you know drinking illegally, or want to drive illegally, or something like that," you know? Mm-hmm. So, but but that was obviously something I remembered. But, um, and you know, I I'd, I'd got the spiel's there from parents. You know, this is your first DUI. Do you know what happens like when you get up to three? You know, and because mm-hmm. you get that felony on your record, mm-hmm. and if you do that, your life's gonna be over. You know, mm-hmm. and so they're definitely trying to put the fear in me now. But, you know, obviously that didn't strike me too much because after first DUI was done, the slap on the wrist, I'm like, all right, the mark's gone from the slap. Let's go again. Hmm. And that leads up back to what I was saying my story earlier here in Sioux Falls. But I would imagine there was there was still um, some lesson felt where you you had some apprehension anytime you did drink. And and I mean, you say a slap on the wrist, but you know human behavior would 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 tell you that there's there's going to be some physiological change in your body every time you're thinking about drinking because you're going to go to that moment of sitting in jail right and calling your mom and all those little things are going to play out into it uh, you typically aren't like okay I'm going to start drinking and driving that next day uh because you're kind of feeling this angst around it did you feel that you know did you have a, a kind of a, a at least a change in your normal uh, experiences drinking alcohol, like, hey, I'm not going to do that again, or I don't want to do that again, so I'm going to do these other things um, to to prevent that happening? Yeah, there there certainly was a change. You know, after I got done, I got, um, you know, fully back into the world with my license and everything, I did say, okay, no more drinking and driving. This is it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a ride, whatever it takes, and that's the way it's going to be. You know, because I didn't want to go through that again, and I don't want to go through getting yelled at and the punishment and the internal punishment, you know. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to, I can drink, I'll drink in moderation, and I'm just not going to drive. You know, that's, that was the number one rule, no driving. So kind of fast forwarding to this point, uh, or the story I was talking about, you going to this bar. Uh, this this wasn't any special night. We're just out with friends. This is back to the Billy Frog. Yes, back right? to Billy Frog's place. Yeah. Yep. Um, and how we, long has it been since uh, since that DUI you had? Now, I uh, see the first one. So that was about three years. Okay. Yeah, that was three years in between. Okay. So, so yeah, fast forward three years now. You're in Sioux Falls at Billy Frog's, mm-hmm. enjoying a two for ones or whatever, and having some karaoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're having a good old night, and we stay there till you know last call, you know one one forty five, getting into two o'clock, and we had called a taxi, um, you know, because that at that time we didn't have you know Uber or Lyft to come by, and so we just had to call taxis to come get you. You know, none of us wanted to drive, so we're thinking smart right there. You know, let's get a ride, get us safely home. You know, there's I think four of us total, and as we were waiting. It, and, you know, just, you know, minutes and minutes and tens of minutes just passed by. And we're like, where the heck is this taxi at? And nobody was showing up. So we had figured, OK, I think someone just took our taxi because, you know, not like Uber. They're not going to say, is this the name? Mm-hmm. You know, they're just going to pick whoever's up. Right. And so it's gone. And then where we're all saying, like, well, how, well, how are we going to get home? And then, see, I'm kind of this helping guy by nature to, you know, I, I like to maybe that helpful situation, dude. And so I, I speak up and I'm like, okay, guys, I can drive us. I don't want to, but I can. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's like, of course, because yeah! they have a ride. <laughs> yep. And uh, they're saved. They're not, you know, typically you've been drinking. Now, one guy's not going to say, well, let's think about this here. And, right. Uh, how much mm-hmm. have you been drinking? You know, no, it's like, good. I don't have to drive. I'm not the one that's taking the risk. I'm going to get right. the back seat and everything's going to be good. Exactly. Yeah. And we're all frustrated there anyway. I mean, our cab got taken. We're waiting out in the cold, you know, it was, it was a, it was a cooler time of year. 
And so once I said that, like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Okay. And so, you know, I'm driving all of us home and one of the guys in the backseat, you know, instructed me, hey, take these back roads. You know, I never see any cops there. I've taken this way home multiple times, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, fine. And, you know, as I'm driving this back road and there, there, there's just commotion going on everywhere. I mean, there's three other drunk people in the car. They're just yelling and screaming, you know, having a good time. And I don't see the stoplight intersection that's right in front of me at one point. And I'm just driving right through it. And then one of the guys in the back seat goes, oh, you just went through that red light. And I was like, oh, crap. Uh, but yeah. guess what happened two seconds later? Somebody was there. Somebody was in there watching and lurking in the shadows, and it was the cops. Well, thank you for joining us for Ryan Gilbertson's story, part one. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you gained some insight into, um, into a, a young man who is uh, just really trying to navigate the world, doing the best he can. But as uh, we all are human, uh, we make decisions that have consequences. And um, the next part of his story will illustrate how he went from a life of pain, a life of choices and decisions uh, made that ended up resulting in uh, outcomes that he didn't prefer into a beautiful life. Uh, and I'm not going to get into it too much because I don't want to give it away. So you'll have to tune in for his next story, uh, Ryan Gilberson Part 2. We hope you enjoyed this show. And if you need to connect with us, you can find us on our Facebook page. It's actually at Disrupt Your Limits on Facebook. You can find me at Jared Bruyer, J-E-R-R-I-D-B-R-U-Y-E-R. -R -E and um, we, we hope you enjoy these and uh, continuing to tune in. All right. Well, thank you very much and uh, God bless.